This is a podcast by The Business Times. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money-managing and wealth-growing journey. I'm your host, Howie Lim. Now, it seems the overall investment outlook for 2022 remains promising. But of course, as the carpenters would say, we've only just begun. There are new pandemic concerns to worry about, overall volatility as a result, inflationary pressures all over the place, closer to home, the GST hike here, the Sing dollar strengthening, and of course that curveball. I mean, MES's off-cycle tightening of policy in January 2022, with more to come in April. Okay, that's a lot. So let's get some help to sift through the noise and get to the nuts and bolts of where we should put our money to maximize returns and ride out uncertainty. Here's Daryl Ho, Senior Investment Strategist, Chief Investment Office at DBS. Daryl, thanks for joining us. Hi, Howie. Thanks for having me. What do you think the top issue to keep an eye on as we embark on our investment journey into 2022 is? Inflation maybe, you know, especially since we're already seeing, for example, like I mentioned, MAS's off-cycle tightening of policy. And there's more to come in April. Mm, yeah, I think this is a is, is an important question. And I, I would say that the top issue is related to what you're saying is going to be the communication and the execution of the pace of rate hikes by the U.S. Fed. Also, this is in a way related to inflation, in a way related to what you're seeing with the MAS also preemptively tightening policy. This pertains to investing because it would affect both the major markets of bonds and equities. So for bonds, a repricing of the yield curve would have a direct effect on the bond valuations. While for equities, uh, the Fed rates would affect how you discount future cash flows of uh, these companies to arrive at their present value. So right now, um, the market is pricing in four hikes by the Fed. So any deviation from this could have big implications for asset valuations and investing. We'll get more into that U.S. Fed's four planned interest rate hikes in a bit. I do want to ask you, though, it's looking like volatility will still be the constant this year. So what sort of investment strategy should we take on? You know, dollar cost averaging, maybe trying to time the market. I don't know, rotating from growth stocks to value stocks. What do you reckon? So here, our CIO, Weifook, always likes to remind us that time in the markets is better than timing the markets. So in that sense... Time in the market. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, Investors should always have uh, some base level of funds that they dollar cost average into the markets at regular intervals. It's kind of like a, a good practice to have. But, you know, because of the volatility that we're seeing, I think a good strategy is to also have that bit more of cash at the ready to buy some dips in good companies when value emerges in such a correction. So dollar cost averaging and having spare funds to buy the dips, you know, kind of takes care of the hows to invest. But I think the important thing is also to address the what's to invest in, right? So we always use the barbell approach to pick winning themes with growth equities on one side and income generators on the other side. And this helps you to build a robust portfolio. So to pick growth companies, we we do coin the term IDEA, which stands for Innovators, Disruptors, Enablers, and Adapters. And we do believe that technology is a long-term secular trend that can give investors the upside in growth, despite what recent corrections are telling you. Although that said, we are a bit old-fashioned in that sense that we still like quality tech companies that are fundamentally profitable, rather than uh, what you see speculative tech companies that promise a lot of growth but could still run into losses in the near term. So again, on the other half of the barbell strategy is income generators, right? Here we like oil majors, Singapore REITs, 
banks that pay good dividends, and also triple B, double B credit that pay decent bond coupons. You know, this is a long way to answer the question, but you realize that under this framework of thinking, uh, there is a diversified exposure to both growth and value, pandemic, recovery, which really takes the pressure of guesswork uh, from the investing decision. And guesswork is really where most investors end up being wrong in the first place. And I think that, that this takes the stress off and allows you to build a robust portfolio for the long run. Mm, so still those investing fundamentals in place, diversify, good fundamentals of the people that you're investing into and some kind of combination of what we talked about, the dollar cost averaging, the growth stocks, the value stocks, etc. Okay, so word on the street though, Daryl, is that the environment will be decidedly reflationary. How might this affect investor behavior then? So for example, we talked about that US Fed's four planned interest rate hikes. So in Asia, for example, will central banks move to raise interest rates be uniform across markets or should Asian and ASEAN markets come earlier to do that? What might happen, etc.? I feel what you are likely to see is a difference in the speed of policy tightening across the world. We lump these under uh, four buckets. The fastest to respond will be your small open economies. Countries like the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and Singapore, these have all preemptively tightened. And we saw MES, which is something you mentioned earlier, do a surprise tightening in response to higher inflation earlier this week. So they tend to react faster than the Fed because one, either they want to slow imported inflation as a small open economy, or two, they want to prevent capital flight towards high-yielding dollars when the Fed is hiking rates. So these will be the fastest to respond. And then comes the Fed, which I think would undergo modest tightening. So they will rely on forward guidance to communicate the number of expected rate hikes. And they try not to surprise too much on the upside or the downside in actually executing this policy. And then following them, would be someone like the European Central Bank, the ECB, which have explicitly communicated that they would deliberately be slower than the Fed to respond so that growth is not hindered. Recall in 2011 when the ECB hiked twice in response to inflation only to struggle and tighten into a European sovereign crisis not long after. And I think this is something that they are learning from the past to be a bit more cautious now based on that experience Finally, of course, the slowest, uh, in fact, the one that's going in, in the opposite direction is the PBOC in China, which is cutting rates and loosening monetary policy. In that sense, the mantra of don't fight the Fed still applies, where as investors, we don't go against what the central banks are trying to do. And which is why you're seeing the US markets showing some weakness this year, whereas the markets in China seem to be comparatively stable. And I think investors could be drawn into the cheapness of China or Asia markets as they take stock of this divergent monetary policy across the world. And you mentioned that, right, at the beginning, how clear the communication is will be key yep. to take signs from as investors. So how much should we factor, say, expert opinion? And can you even forecast a volatile market fiscally stimulated to max and now facing interest rate hikes as well? Or is this sort of transitional global economy the perfect opportunity to forecast opportunities, Daryl? So actually, the last time we had markets that were, you know, so well fiscally stimulated, but also facing rate hikes was in 2017. So this was when Donald Trump uh, had cut taxes while the Fed was also raising rates at the same time. And if you recall, asset prices did very well that year. And I think this is largely because we had a synchronized global recovery, global growth environment, which allowed monetary policy to tighten without causing much of a hiccup. And this time, however, is not so clear. The global economy is not synchronized. We have different countries 
having various states of reopening because of varied access to vaccines, stop-start cycles of lockdown. We're very familiar with that in Singapore. And these are in part really just culminating in the supply chain bottlenecks that we are seeing today. In terms of fiscal stimulus, it also may not be as stimulative as we have come to expect, right? The trillion dollar infrastructure package by the Biden administration is something that you will see the fiscal impulse spread over a few years as infrastructure spending isn't going to be done in a lump sum in a short period compared to the tax cuts in 2017, which immediately went to the bottom lines of businesses. So in this regard, the Fed may not be able to tighten monetary policy as aggressively as they did without causing some volatility. So I think in essence, there will be a lot of uncertainty. And so if you ask three experts, you will get five opinions on what to do with your portfolio, right? So <laughs> we still think it comes down to good practices, right? Stay invested, don't time the market, make sure your portfolio is well diversified across the themes that we had already mentioned previously. Yeah. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. We've been speaking with Daryl Ho, Senior Investment Strategist, Chief Investment Office at DBS. So let's talk more about geographical location though, Daryl, if it makes a difference at all. We've talked about how MAS did that off-cycle curveball. South Korea just hiked interest rates, for example. The US will hike them four times a year, we said. But does this mean that Asia is sort of in the same position as the US? Are there expectations, therefore, that opportunities will be greater or dangers will be greater? In the short run, I guess the policy differential would matter to a certain degree, as we had described earlier. But we prefer not to think about it in terms of geographical location. Um, rather, we try to focus on longer-term thematic trends that we anticipate are structural in nature and will lead to our performance in the long run. Geography starts to matter a bit less in a globalized and digitalized world. So take, for example, how we consume media. 20 years ago, we were all watching the TV. And, and this service was provided by localized cable companies and in that sense, geography mattered a little bit more because uh, the service providers were local. And I don't know about you now, but most of us, myself included, spend our time watching YouTube, TikTok, Netflix, Disney+. Plus. Our product offerings have gone global because of the rise of digitalization. The content is being offered by uh, centralized entities that really have a global reach of customers. And this is why we prefer to look at global trends because... These companies have a pool of consumers that span across the globe to tap into. So trends like technology, e-commerce, cloud computing, cybersecurity, you know, some of these other themes that we have been highlighting in our published market insights, I think these are more important than actually looking at individual geographies and looking at their discrepancies, knowing that we have now entered a time in a world where businesses are globalized. Yeah. Earlier, we talked a bit about this as well, though, emergency fund or the amount of money or the kinds of money that you are putting in to invest. We've always known the rule of thumb to be invest only what you may be willing to lose. And then there's also the rule of thumb of the emergency fund, which is what, six months of one salary. And uh, actually, these days, I feel 12 months might be better in this COVID world. So do we need to review our investment strategies even more frequently as well? So, Howie, that's a great question, and I've been thinking about it a lot. And the more I think about it, the more I, I think that COVID has been a very unique crisis where you actually did not need as much emergency funds as you would have expected. Well, let, let me elaborate, right? Governments around the world, right, especially the US, they opened up their fiscal taps and they distributed cash directly into the wallets of the men on the street, which helped to boost savings. And even in Asia, 
We had governments that emphasized job preservation with various support schemes. Singapore, definitely well included in this. And as such, you see unemployment was not as high as it could or should have been. And on hindsight, our out-of-consensus call early in 2020 for investors to deploy cash and build resilient portfolios was actually quite timely because markets were cheap back then and investors did not need the cash as desperately as they would have otherwise had in a what you call regular crisis. But that's it. You know, no crises are alike. So if you use the 2020 playbook in the next crisis, it might not turn out the same way and might not turn out well for you. And as they say, generals are always fighting the last war. We must be careful to just deploy investment strategies from the past to manage markets in the future. In that sense, I think it is sensible to continuously review your investment strategy with a forward-looking bias, focusing on the structural themes that we highlighted that have staying power. On that note, what would you say is the top concern then beyond 2022? And how should that govern how we behave in terms of investing? Should strategies be different with, say, the pandemic being treated as endemic now? Well, I'm certainly waiting for the day the the world can look back at COVID as history and life returns back to normal. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) Yeah, that makes two of us, right? We should distinguish between what strategies have more permanence and which strategies could be right for a reversion to normal. I've spoken enough about the long-term technological trends. The tech giants were growing through digitalization and network effects way before COVID happened. And if anything, COVID only accelerated their course. So these are here to stay. But in the medium term, seeing as there would be some return to normalcy, we think this would benefit the companies that in the income side of our barbell strategy. And again, I would reiterate that we like oil majors, which pay 5 to 6% dividends, and there's a positive momentum on oil if air travel does eventually return. We also like banks, which are likely to see net interest margins improve in a steeper yield curve environment. And lastly, we also like Singapore REITs, which have exposure to our domestic retail office and industrial segments, which can see rentals creep higher when we revert to business as usual. So Warren Buffett once said that the only value of stock forecasters is to make fortune tellers look good. So rather than time the markets with outlooks that can change every week, it's better to stay invested, build diversified all-weather portfolios so that you can stay in the game for as long as possible and benefit from compounding returns. Sounds great. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, Howie. We've been discussing Investment Outlook 2022 with Daryl Ho, Senior Investment Strategist, Chief Investment Office at DBS. And that's a wrap for Money Hacks. It's a podcast series here on The Business Times. Don't forget to subscribe to BT Money Hacks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify and like us and give us a rating. That was a podcast by The Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Do note, all analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast are for your general information only. You should not rely on them in making any decision. Please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of or reliance on any analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast. 
SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services, or information of any third parties.